0: Welcome, boys and girls, to another Mind bending episode of Pop Cultish, the podcast that knows that you are in trouble with Captain Kirk if he gives you a red shirt for Christmas. Mm. I'm Tony Shaba. Uh, across the table from me is my lovely wife, Emily. Hey. And we're doing a, a fantastic interview today. We are joined by, uh, by an author. He has uh, released a, a very recent book called Night of the Zombies, emphasis <laughs> on the bees. And he wrote uh, one of my all-time favorite zombie books, Night of the Living Trekkies. We have Kevin mm. David Anderson on the phone with us. How you doing, Kevin?
1: Doing fine. And uh that's a co-authored book with Mr. Sam Stall.
0: That's right. That's right. I didn't mean to say that, but I got I got so excited. That's right. Uh <laughs> you guys worked on that one together. I do want to talk a lot about uh about that book because I do enjoy it heavily, but I want to make sure that we give proper credit to your new release that just came out, uh, which I believe is uh is an all ages or a young adult book, is that right?
1: Yeah, it's targeted for a uh, much younger audience. I was a little worried putting this one out because uh, I was worried about upsetting the Trekkie fans from *Night of the Living Trekkies*, just because it is targeted towards a, a younger audience and uh, the jokes are a little more bathroom humor kind of kind of thing. And um, you know, when you have kids, you you kind of want them to read the stuff you write. <laughs> and looking at your your adult catalog, you're like, oh man, I don't want them ever reading that stuff. <laughs> so I kind of wrote this one for uh, my kids to, to enjoy. And uh, but it it has a lot of um, you know, for the, the zombie fans, it really pays homage to, uh, you know, a lot of my favorite zombie cliches and uh, zombie films. There's a lot of call-outs and references. So, and I think, I think adults will get a kick out of it,
0: too. Good, good. Now, I know I just, uh, um, you were able to shoot me over a copy, and I, I loaded it up onto Kindle, and I'm excited to, excited to dive into it. I did see that it looked like all the chapter names uh, might have been uh, James Bond references, is that right?
1: Absolutely. Not just references. They're all James Bond titles. Uh, Not just from the movies, but from some of the novels and his short stories. But not his short stories, the short stories. There's about six or seven different authors who have picked up the mantle of James Bond over the years. And uh, so I've picked some of the titles out. Awesome. Very fun. Just like in Trekkies.
0: I love it. I love it. Very good stuff. I can't imagine that that Star Trek fans or or fans in general will complain too much about bathroom humor. I mean, you know, a lot of this... uh, A lot of the stuff that's targeted to young adult types are, are are kind of more all ages. Everybody everybody digs it to an extent, I think. Mm-hmm.
1: So, well, I hope so. I mean, you know, ever since Harry Potter, I mean, uh, I know more adults that read Harry Potter than kids. Oh.
0: Yeah, yeah, uh we were we yeah. yeah we had a uh, one of our one of our very first episodes. We were talking about Harry Potter because uh, Emily's a huge Harry Potter fan.
1: Yep. Oh yeah.
0: Yes, love
1: it. Yeah, are you? Oh, my, my daughter. We're planning a trip to uh, Florida. to go to Harry Potter World and. Oh. Uh, one of the Universal Studios.
2: So awesome! You will have a blast. Not that <laughs> you no. Have you been? No, I have oh. not. But I live vicariously through my friends who post their pictures on Facebook. <laughs> and I, They're building yeah.
1: one out here, but it's not going to be as as big as the one out there.
2: Right. I think it's the ride and, yeah. So cool.
0: It sounds awesome. My I movie. Mean, that's part of what part of what our podcast was about was of the fact that I I have never seen any of them before I met Emily. lame. And then so so I started watching those and then on the flip side uh on the, on on the zombie side I have seen uh, all the Resident Evil movies played the games and she had never seen any of those. So we're doing a little experiment where she watches a series that I know. I watch a series that she knows, and uh, we kind of try to try to make our guesses and and estimates on on what's going to happen, and then and then see how horribly wrong we are as a, <laughs> as, as it progresses. So,
1: <laughs> who says mixed couples can't you know get together? Mixed <laughs> genres don't don't relate, I and mean, that's great.
2: I know opposites attract, right? Isn't that what they say?
1: <laughs> I can't believe you haven't. Read a single book or seen a, a single movie in the Harry Potter franchise? I
0: yeah, think. I just you know I'm uh, you know Emily and I that that's another key piece of the puzzle. We have a we have a slight age difference. I'm twelve years older than her, so so I uh, kind of missed the boat. That really wasn't in my wheelhouse as much as it was <laughs> hers, obviously. So, um, but I'm I'm catching up. I'm I'm slowly getting there. You know.
1: No, that's great. Uh, my wife and I have the same situation. She is uh, seven years my junior, so um, yeah, we have a lot of we've experienced things in different ways. Mostly Star Trek. Mm-hmm. Mm. I think one of our biggest generational and uh, really uh, just age difference problems we've had, is it's not one of the uh, major ones that you might think of. It's really about what Star Trek captain is the best. She's firmly right. in the hard camp. I'm firmly in Kirk's camp. Okay. And she's clearly wrong, but
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> we get through it. I mean, we'll be arguing. It's almost come to blows a couple times. She, and then she'll eventually just go. Well, Ricard's more sexy, you know. And like, I was <laughs> like, how does that fight on? Help, <laughs> you know. But you know, we we work through it. It's it's uh it's which which happens when you're in a geek marriage. Sure,
2: right, sure. obviously.
0: We get it. We yeah, get it. So, definitely. Yeah.
2: yeah, we definitely. Tony and I, we share different interests. That's for sure. Yeah. I wouldn't call myself a trekkie. Um, to, you know, to be honest, which is why I really, really enjoyed this book, Night of the Living Trekkies, because, Mm -hmm. um, you don't have to be, right? You don't really have to be a diehard Star Trek fan to really enjoy this book. And that really appealed to me. And I I assume you had that in mind when you were writing it for, you know, audiences that maybe
1: not originally, not originally. It's fun. Funny that you bring that up. That that was really more the editor's concept. I recently reread your, um, review of Night of the Living Trekkies, Tony. Mm-hmm. Very respectable rating on my course. It was actually. That.
0: It was very good. <laughs> <laughs>
1: but you did have a pet peeve about it, and I just wanted to come out and say you were exactly right. Okay. There is a tad too much pandering to the audience <laughs> and <explaining laughs> some of the references. Sure. No, no, no. and it, it works for... It made the book more of a general audience, and, and it, it and it spoke to more people than it would have had it been my original concept, which was more um, just mention you know, it was there was zero pandering. It was written for a very specific uh, Trek-minded audience who would get these references Im- immediately. And um, so the editor and I went back and forth on that. He went out because he's an amazing editor. I don't know if you know this, but uh, he's the guy who edited uh, Pride and Prejudice and Zombies.
0: Okay, is that Jason or think,
1: Jason Requil, Yes, yes. yes. No, he not only came up with the concept, but um, I mean, he not only yeah, edited it, but he did come up with the entire concept. He invented the entire genre. Hmm. He came up with the title, uh, the concept, and then hired the author who, who went on to do other great things. Right. That whole mashup, uh, literary, you know, old lit- uh, literature and monsters and zombies was really his creation. So I really had a lot of respect for his creativity and what he had done and he knew more than I, so eventually
0: he won out. <laughs> well, your book came out during a during a very um, seminal time for for Quirk Books, who was who published yours as well as, like you mentioned, Pride and Prejudice and zombies mm-hmm, and things like that. Mm-hmm. It was kind of where that where Quirk was kind of really getting its legs and kind of establishing that identity of being a, kind of a, a subversive publisher. Right. And yeah, I know Seth Graham Smith obviously did a great job writing that, and then went on to do Abraham Lincoln Vampire Slayer and things like uh-huh. that. So, um, so yeah, he's writing
1: scripts for. Um, Burton
0: now. That's right, that's right. Those so. awesome. and
1: uh, other things like
0: that, yeah. Yeah, well, I do remember uh, in, in writing the review, you know, I did mention many times that I, I it only felt uh, I hesitate to use the word pandering because I knew so much about Star Trek to the average reader who may not know as much, and that's who you have to shoot for you the widest mm-hmm, audience mm-hmm. possible so I understand why the editor why 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 Jason would have would have pushed that agenda so so because
1: yeah, his, jo- his job is to sell books right he wants the
0: widest possible audience right I, I was trying to uh, target a geek minority you <laughs> no. right well no I mean but I thought overall I mean it's a it's a phenomenal book mm-hmm. just the, just the way it was yeah. written and I love the way it came out yeah um
1: you know it just to flip this around th- on the new book zombies yeah I, I did the exact opposite Okay. Uh, except for one scene, um, there's many, uh, a lot of references to Return of the Living Dead, a lot of other zombie movies, and I don't really explain them. I just put them out there. So hopefully, you know, the real zombie uh, student student is gonna is gonna pick up on these things. Good. There's lots of James Bond references, of course. Fun. Uh, and except for one key scene in which um, they're kind of parodying uh, a James Bond scene, which they kind of have to explain in order for you to understand the story. But right. other than that, no pain.
0: <laughs> well, I am a pander free. I like it. So, uh, stamp it up. <laughs> no, I'm. I'm definitely looking forward to check it out. But uh, tell tell us and uh, and obviously uh, the folks who are listening to because um, you know a lot of folks will recognize the name, obviously Night of the Zombies, but may not understand that the emphasis is on the bees, the B E E S, mm-hmm. zombies. Tell us a little bit about the about the plot of the tale and and, and kind of how that how that comes into play.
1: Well, it um, it's really. I kind of got the idea, back in 2010, I was at ZomCon, and um, I had a friend who was going to meet us up there, and she, she was telling us about her costume, and she was going to dress up in a bee costume and make it a zombie. It's a zombie, and I didn't get it. And I was like, eventually someone had to, ex- no, actually, I didn't get it until I got to the convention, and I saw several people dressed in bee costumes that had been zombified. And then I, it just, like, hit me. Oh, zombie! I get it. <laughs> How did I not get that? Anyway, um so it just kind of just, that, that idea just kind of stuck in my head. Oh, God, that's funny. That, that's got to be a story. That's got to be a story. Um, and it just stuck in my head. But how do you get a large group of people in zombie costumes who become zombified? So basically what happens is you have this small town, Honeywell Springs, in which uh, every Founders Day, every year, they celebrate the, the little insect that, um, you know, with basically their whole, whole businesses are run around bee, bee raising and, and bee wax and products mm. from bee. Um, from the bees mm. so they, they all dress up in bee costumes and silly things and it's a big silly local we've been to those small town carnival type events and then of course you have a zombie type outbreak and so you have all these characters uh, moving around in bee costumes and then you have a trio of kids that are, are caught up in the middle of this uh, one of them is suffering from a fear of bees and uh, a lot of different fears in general he's very timid and, you know, they end up having to fight their way through this and uh, come into the realization that everyone that they've ever known and grown around has been turned into zombies. Hmm. And and it takes a couple of twists and turns, and I throw in some, uh, some other references from some other genres which kind of take it into a different direction. And it's it's really just a lot of fun. It's, it's really fun. It's not serious drama. It's not a lot of gore. Um, it's just it's just good pop culture fun.
0: Cool. Awesome. Cool, yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to uh to reading it we've got a sure. we have got a vacation coming up in, in 2 weeks where I'm going to have a lot of beach time so it's uh, it's on the Kindle <laughs> and, and ready to rock there so <laughs> <laughs> I okay. been, I'm from
1: Indiana. The beaches in Indiana suck.
2: They're That's right. Beautiful. I saw
0: Actually. that. Uh, yes. Yeah. I, I did. I did see that you were beaches. from from Terre Haute. Yeah. We're we're traveling away from Indiana. We're in Indy now, but we are we are heading to the Dominican Republic. But
1: uh, oh wow! Yes. Yeah. So this is a,
0: yeah like a legit vacation, which is super awesome. So <laughs> we are excited. So thank you, Groupon. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> but traveling abroad is so scary now. I just. No, you're I'm right. my, and my wife have We've been planning for a year. They've been planning a trip to go to Paris. Mm. to New Year's Day out there. Yeah, I mean, you talk about horror, right? I know real life horror is just so much more scary than anything you're gonna encounter in the films or
0: books. No, you're absolutely insane, right. Yeah, you know? yeah. Well, I am. I mean, I'm curious then, uh, less on the travel and more about your your backstory. Then how how does how do you end up going from Terre Haute to now living in living in California, being being a writer—I mean, was this always the career path, or how does this how does this come about for you?
1: No, I wanted to be a paleontologist. Oh, wow, we had, <laughs> awesome. we had really wrong. I failed. Say, <laughs> no, I, I only spent a brief time in Indiana. I don't—I don't even think I we left uh, when I was a toddler. Mm. Um, Dad moved to the East Coast to go to law school, um, and then we moved to San Joaquin, which is uh, Central California. Um, I didn't really start writing until my twenties. I had uh, gone. through. And studied marketing and advertising and film making. Hmm. Uh, didn't really start writing into my twenties. Um, had a brief stint. I mean, if, if it wasn't for the internet, I never would have sold a story. Uh, in the, I grew up in the 80, in my twenties. I would have been it would have been the late eighties, early nineties, hmm. and I just gave up after a while. I couldn't really sell anything. And then later on, I came back to writing in the two thousands, early two thousands, and. The internet was there, and there was this community of writers that I could bounce ideas off of, and it wasn't about getting published. It was really just about improving people and connecting with people that were trying to do the same thing I was doing, right. and, and without that, I never would have sold uh, anything. In fact, my first story was to uh, an internet site, a website, which doesn't exist anymore, but you know, without the internet, I, I never would have become. Right. I'm so glad Al Gore invented it.
0: Yes, thank you, Al Gore. <laughs> yes, thank
2: you. We should all, we all owe our great yes. thanks to Al Gore.
0: No, I'm the same way. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I'm uh, very, very similar in the writings that I've done because, yeah, uh, just like you with being online, having that kind of almost like a built-in support group to kind of bounce really? ideas yeah, you know, and talk about things. So it's very nice now. Mm-hmm. Uh, Are you concerned that you have set a dangerous precedent with your first two books being Night of the Zombies and Night of the Living Trekkies, that your third book (laughs) is going to have to be Night of the Something, Something, Something?
1: (laughs) To be be honest, I I almost changed that title, that uh, of the zombies, several times. I just couldn't think of anything. It was
0: like Attack of the Zombies, Day of the Zombies, I don't know. Oh, it's a classic, uh, it's a classic title. Classic. classic No, I'm
1: I'm definitely, I'm committed to the next book not being a night of it. (laughs) It's going to be an afternoon. It'll be a nice afternoon. There you
0: go. Afternoon tea. Tea time of the living dead. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I like it. I like it. Very cool. Now, do you find yourself then with having co-authored a book very specific, you know, because Star Trek has a very specific fan base. Do you find yourself going to conventions specifically, like Star Trek conventions, or, you know, interacting specifically with Star Trek fans because of the book?
1: Yeah. Um, in fact, they launched the book at Comic-Con,
0: and, mm.
1: you know, and that was um, it was a great experience because I got to meet uh, Star Trek fans that came in costume, and I, it was never something I had ever done. I never, I've never been to... I've never dressed up in costume. I've never... Uh, gone to an all. I've been to lot of conventions, mostly smaller ones. Comic Con blew my mind of how huge it was. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I just went, I, I've been to real, I mean, back in the 90s and 80s, I went to real comic conventions where it was just comic books and it was in the back room of some hotel and you had to walk through some smelly hallway to get <laughs> out. You know, and there's trays on the hallway. I mean, yeah. It, so small stuff. But I would go from that to Comic Con. blew my mind. Right. Yeah. Seeing how people got into it and dressed up in and made these amazing costumes, which just blew my mind. No so that was been the best thing about the book is that to get that experience.
0: That's very cool. That's amazing. Yeah, I mean, I remember uh, going to the first convention I ever went to was the first two actually were Star Trek conventions, <laughs> and that was way back. I'm talking like eighth grade, like super dork here, but uh, but yeah, I mean, exact same thing. Kind of in the in in the back ballroom, and you know, you had to really search for it, and it was definitely not what it is now. So,
2: oh well, yeah, Indiana <laughs> Comic Con. I mean though much smaller than most, I would imagine is still like it's a very overwhelming experience. and people you can really tell the, the passion that people have for you know whatever may be their fandom and it's really cool. It's a really cool experience. yeah
1: I almost I almost prefer the smaller well, like the mid-sized ones like uh, the Zomcon was up in Seattle for a couple of years before it, I think I don't think it that they don't do it anymore, but right. it was it was really just a zombie centric. Uh, convention and it was really small and but you got to really get to spend time with people that the special guests you got to spend time with them george romero bruce mm-hmm. campbell uh malcolm mclaren you got to actually get to talk to them and, and take pictures with them and shake their hands and stuff and you you know that's just not going to happen at a comic con
0: right right no, you're absolutely right yeah that's we have um, some some similar conventions here uh conventions specifically focused on um the horror genre it's called horror hound and, uh, and 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 uh, that's a, a much different vibe. Where you know you've got a vendors room, and then the celebrities are, are right along the outside in uh, the outside of the room, but the vendors are on the inside. But it's just one room. It's not this big, you know, Hall A, Hall C, Hall Q type of thing. Uh, uh, yeah, and the line. Right. Oh, yes. The lines. Yeah, oh, not, awesome. not that bad, yeah. but yeah, yeah, yeah. I do like the genre specific conventions. That's actually where I got to spend most of my time. Uh, aside from reading your book, mm-hmm. the, the other opportunity I had to to mesh zombies and Star Trek together, I got to have about probably about a forty five minute conversation with uh, Jeffrey Combs, who mm. knowing, oh. you know started in Reanimator, but was in yeah, Star Trek. Yeah. Oh yeah! So great, great guy, very very cool stuff. But uh, but yeah, and he
1: played uh, he played an Andorian. Yes, he played Enterprise, mm-hmm. and, and Did he play another Star Trek character.
0: Yeah, he was in Deep Space Nine. He played Wayun. Oh. So oh yeah, awesome.
1: Yeah.
0: So, yeah, it was very, very cool. But that's the only other time that that Zombies and Star Trek had crossed over for me until <laughs> I read your book. And I was like, oh, yeah, there we go again. It so all comes
2: full circle.
0: I loved it. But <laughs> well, I just wrote a, a kind of a blog piece that
1: I, I got um, – Geeks of Dune ran, Dune ran it for me. And I didn't – I wasn't really aware of this since I went back and researched it. But there was kind of a zombie-like episode in Enterprise – um, I don't know if you remember it. Uh, it's where they they encountered a Vulcan ship that had been lost, and then the the Vulcans the had been turned into this mindless. It was more like uh, 28 days later, but with Vulcans.
0: Okay, I don't and they
1: had a kind of rage virus thing, and it, the entire episode. It was amazing. It was really cool because they were clearly zombies.
0: I'll have to go back. Awesome. A, a, Enterprise is one of those that I watched it when it was on TV because I was, you know, obligated as a Star Trek fan, and I don't think I've gone back <laughs> to it since. So <laughs>
1: we all feel that way.
0: Yeah, I know. You know, for for better or for worse, it is what it is. But I'll definitely have to go back and check that out because it sounds very cool. So, but that's the beauty of things like a Netflix and things like that where I can go and just check oh, out, uh, yes. a, you know, a find a specific episode and just sit down and watch it. I don't have to go buy the DVDs anymore and things like that. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. yeah, loving the loving the Netflix. Are you, uh, um, uh, we're we're talking briefly on kind of pop culture stuff earlier. Some some Netflix stuff you're you're binge watching that you're into these days.
1: Yes, and it just it's 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 such an interruption. I I guess I, I have an addictive Netflix <laughs> quality. I just, I yeah, Jessica Jones. And I didn't like the first couple of episodes. I know you only you're only a couple episodes in, but yeah. I didn't really dig it. I mean, I don't know if you've noticed, but there's just a lot of sex in it.
0: <laughs> it is. I uh,
1: mean, it really has nothing to do with the story. It's true. But, <laughs> <laughs> you know and it's not even that good sex you know it's like the old, <laughs> joke. It's, it's like that old joke um you know the food here is terrible and in such like small portions you know <laughs> there you go <laughs> but That's funny. but it, it does get better it really starts to move and you know one thing i'm noticing about these netflix series it's really different it's different in from conventional television like think about the x-files you could jump into the x-files at any time, even though there's a long-running narrative, there's also it's also episodic. You know, right. mm-hmm. you can't do that with Jessica Jones or and Netflix is really kind of changing that whole narrative. Really, I mean, you, if you miss, you got to start at episode one and you got to go all the way through because it's just one continuous story, right? And you can't watch. There's nothing episodic about it, but you know, that's kind of one of the things I liked about the X Files. You could jump in at any point and watch any episode from a season, and you know where everybody.
0: Right, right. Yeah, no, they definitely, I think they've designed those to be, yeah, kind of pull you in and keep you there if you want that. Yeah, you're uh, just,
1: you're sucked in at right. each episode.
0: It's yeah. Nice. yeah. Um, and I think Walking Dead's getting really good at doing that,
1: too. Oh, There's so good. Cliffhanger, cliffhangers at each episode. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just
2: The Walking little... Dead has me up pacing our living room. <laughs> Sweating like every single like i cannot handle myself and i have to tell tony like just stop it just turn it off for a second like it's a very emotional experience for me gotta drink
1: some Kalamalt tea or
2: something <laughs> I um just, keep it cool i know i just i'm very concerned about the fate of daryl dixon and i just have to keep it together yeah
1: you're hearing you're hearing the rumors too huh? i know
2: and i love him he's my yeah. son and stars
1: no, they can't do. That. It, it's bad enough what they did to Glenn. They're not gonna. I
0: don't think they're going to. I don't think they can afford to because, much like Emily, they'll lose their they'll lose their female viewership, uh, a massive amount of contingency. Oh I yeah, think. why why shoot yourself in the foot like that? I don't know. Right.
2: I know. Um, I have a funny story that has nothing to do with anything except for what we're talking about right now. So, Go for um, it. <laughs> <laughs> um, Norman Reedus uh, was at a convention and he was in a panel, and a female fan said. Um, she had a shirt on that said, "If Daryl dies, we riot," and he was like, <laughs> "And he said, I like that shirt." And she was like, "If Daryl dies, where can we riot?" And he said, "Your local BMV." <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> we have expressed permission from Norman Reedus to riot at our local BMV if Daryl gets killed off. <laughs> okay.
0: The lines at the, the lines at the at, at the Bureau of Motor Vehicles are already bad enough. Now it's going to get even <laughs> worse. So.
1: No, I believe it. I mean, people are still theorizing that that Glenn could still be alive. And like the, the weirdest one, because they're so dedicated to that to the character, and,
2: right? That
1: and is the, a... the weirdest one I ever heard I've heard so far is that is that he was able to climb under the dumpster because of the guts and. Uh, you know the, the internal organs of that other guy made him so slippery and slimy he was able to scurry under
0: there well, there's been a lot of intriguing theories now i will say because because we, we we watch it dedicated and i know the most recent episode was was just on a, a day ago but um, you know there as as you progress and you know we're not trying to spoil anything for anybody as as things progress towards the end of their they're doing this mid-season finale here after next week's episode. Is uh, you know they're they're definitely gunning to answer all those questions. So, um, so for people who have those theories and questions on is Daryl okay, is Glenn okay, things like that, just know that everything is everything will be answered for you one way or another. So <laughs> well, they, have, they have
1: to. They can't leave that hanging. Right. Oh no. That way. answered question. Right.
0: You're right. Yeah. No. You're absolutely correct. So. But yeah, no. The Walking Dead. It's been it's been fun to watch that. Did you get a chance to check out uh, Fear the Walking Dead that was on earlier this year?
1: Yes, I did. <laughs> you sound just <laughs> as
0: thrilled yes. as we do. So,
1: <laughs> just I, I don't know if you caught that that graphic I created on. Uh, it has Carol with the gun. Yes. Points Nick's head. So mm-hmm.
0: Just
1: the flowers, Nick. It's <laughs> kind of how I feel about this. <laughs> yep. It's
0: yes, really I slow. I mean, yeah. It,
1: yeah, it picked up at the end, but
2: I just didn't. I didn't. I never got to a point where I cared what happened to the characters, which might speak I, to the fact that I'm dead inside, but.
1: I don't, no, 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 no. I don't like <laughs> anybody in the show. Right. I like the barber a little bit. I mean, he's pretty yeah. cool. I like him. He was alright. Um, right. But I don't, it's just Nick, the parent, the parents, the father, the stepfather, I can't stand him. No. Yeah. I just, I want them to die. I'm, really, <laughs> pretty, I'm rooting for the zombies at this point.
0: I was gonna say I think you'll, you'll probably eventually get your get your wish granted, but uh, um, but yeah, no, I I've been reviewing as the series was on, I was reviewing it for a uh, pop culture website that I write for called Nerd Bastards, and uh, mm. as I as I reviewed, uh, you, you kind of got that sense with everyone as well that they that they wished that there was something more there, which. I mean, when when I first heard about the series, I was excited about the concept because I was like, oh, good, we get to see how society breaks down and how the zombies, you know, kind of overpower the population and things like that. And then in between, I think, episode two and three, or three and four, they just blew by all the stuff that I thought would be cool. Like, they, like, jumped six weeks ahead. And I'm like, what the I, hell are I, you doing? You just missed all the good stuff.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, it's like, it's like a Godzilla movie. I mean, uh, the classic Godzilla movies where... You you tune in to a two-hour movie and they spend seventy-five percent of it developing characters and plot. It's like we didn't tune in for that. We we want to see the giant monsters.
2: Yeah, yeah. this
0: is this is a good point.
2: Yeah, <laughs> Man, that was rough. It was a rough rough couple weeks trying to get into it. And and I will say when when they first announced it, I, Tony, I remember I was like, I don't want to watch it because I'm so invested in what we already know about The Walking Dead that I feel like I won't be able to give this new group of people like a fair shot because, you know, I'm, I'm just so attached to these other characters. And I feel like maybe that swayed me a little bit, but I don't know. I just think that the character, it was just not. Well,
1: great. you know, as an audience and as a fan base, we're so far ahead in the narrative of where they're at. Right, and then exactly. to make this incredible leap backwards was is really it's really jarring. Mm-hmm. Had, had I done it, I would have done something like take the characters where they are now with our Walking Dead characters in another location, of course, and then just tell that story that, like they do in The Walking Dead with these amazing flashbacks.
2: Yeah,
1: you, those these amazing flashbacks of how it all. Set. That's kind of I would like to see more of that in The Walking Dead too. Some flashbacks to before the apocalypse and different things like that. That's the way I would have done Fear of the Walking Dead. really yeah. just kind of kept them in pace with the other characters. Not that I necessarily want them to collide at some point. Right. But to just give us, you know, to not jar us back in time like that.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think AMC was so hell-bent on doing something different. But, all you know, they wanted to use the Walking Dead name but not have it be, you know, the Walking Dead part two or whatever so i mean for better for worse and obviously it's, it seems to be more for worse than for better it uh it didn't quite work out and i think obviously the walking dead had a lot of great source material to draw from from the comics and whereas fear the walking dead is is freshly created out of thin air that probably <clears throat> that probably helped it not resonate as much with people as well so i don't know we'll see what uh, we'll see what we have in store for the second season i guess so
2: when does the one about the plane come out
0: Play. Oh yeah, they're doing those little mini webisodes about yeah. what's coming. That is actually tied to Fear the Walking Dead. Uh-huh. And when those little webisodes can conclude, there's going to be one character in the webisodes that's going to join the cast of Fear the Walking Dead for the second season.
1: Oh, okay. So
0: interesting. Oh. Yes, but they're, they're
1: kind of cool, but they're they're really short. Yes, too short. <laughs> <So> sh- <laughs> it's Like give me a little bit more than that. I don't even. I can't. Even, can you name one character name in this enemy. This thing so far, I mean, yeah. you haven't got to know anybody. Yet.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's 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 very odd. But um I mean I guess as as fans of zombie culture I can't complain about any, any zombie stuff making its way into primetime television, so I have to be, just be happy that there's something out there, which is not the case five, six years ago. So
1: Did you see a film called Flight of the Flight of the Living Dead? Oh yeah. From, yeah. It was like late nineties.
0: Yeah. Yep, I've got it that's over. Got it. Got it in the DVD collection over here on the wall. Oh, so. <laughs> awesome! It's
1: a good zombie.
0: Outbreak on a plane. Yep, that's a. Yeah, it's pretty. It's pretty entertaining for what it was. So.
1: <laughs> no, yeah, and that's how you. got, I mean, you're a reviewer, right? Sure. So when you look at something like that, you gotta you gotta think about. i um, just my opinion. Yeah. You know, did, did they achieve what they were trying
0: to do? Right. Right. And that's that's yes, that's what I go for. I try not to be out to to make anybody mad or to rip anybody apart. Everybody has right, different, right. Di- different budgets, different writing styles. You know, you kind of go with the exception of one really, really bad movie I saw once called Zombie Honeymoon. That's the only one that I ever really ripped apart. Every, everything else is OK. So. <laughs> well, did you
1: ever find yourself reviewing a genre or a particular piece of art that you really just don't enjoy in general?
0: Yeah, I mean, the, you know, having, having now doing a lot of active reviews for, uh, again, for, for nerdbastards.com, you know, we get to go see a lot of advanced screenings for movies, and it's not just the pop culture, it's not just the Marvels and the Disneys. There's other types of movies that we are invited to that we have to sit through, and it's not necessarily my cup of tea, but, you know, I want to give them the credit that they deserve. Um, you know, it's like, it's kind of like musical styles, you know, I have musical styles that I enjoy, and when I go to a bar that's playing a genre that I don't enjoy, like, mm. a, like a country or something like that, I can't fault them because there's a, all people out there that enjoy it. It's just not for me. So. Right, right. That's you know, right. tough. But, mm. um, is I, there any,
1: I'm just sorry, getting they, off topic, is there any Star Trek conventions in, did you mention that already, right in Indiana or in the Midwest? Right, I know there's one in Vegas. There's one in
0: Yeah, right America. now, I don't, I'm not sure. I mean, we do have one here in Indianapolis that happens every year. It's actually coming up uh, this weekend. It's called Starbase Indie. Um, but it's very low key. It doesn't, you know, it's not going to attract, you know, a William Shatner or even a, you know, a Nichelle Nichols or anything like that. So uh, I do believe that, uh, oddly enough, I just saw the lineup, and I think I think that uh, our aforementioned Jeffrey Combs is the quote-unquote name name star at this to kind of give you an idea of of the <laughs> scope. So so it's not the hugest thing. I mean, obviously the the official Star Trek convention in Vegas is is the big one where it's at. But um, other than that, I think it's just kind of sporadic. Smaller fan-run conventions that are going on right now. So,
1: have you been to the the Vegas one?
0: Uh, I have not. Uh, I, I was actually I'm hoping, crossing my fingers, I would love to get out to the one this next year in 2016, being the 50th anniversary of Star Trek, and yeah. I think that would be a a big one. So, Let's I'm gonna do it. I'm going to proposition them for a media pass, and uh, <laughs> if they give us one, then we'll see if it fits into the budget. So, <laughs> oh, cool yeah
1: oh, I, I'm hoping to get that's one of my new year's resolutions to get to more conventions next year.
0: yeah
1: um I don't know if you well, it hasn't been we haven't really been talking about it um, much, but there is a little bit of pre-production going on for Night of the living Trekkies, okay or is it becoming a film? Oh and um, I've been talking to the producer for for about a year now, and he just has such a great concept for the film. yeah and he wants to actually he, he he's involved with other people that actually put on uh, conventions star trek conventions mm-hmm. other culture conventions comic book conventions so the, the concept is they're actually going to put on a real convention to film the movie
0: oh fun cool
1: i mean it and you know it's the kind of thing that they're going to spend a, a good year hyping sure because they really want fans to go so I, i'm hoping that we're going to go to star trek vegas and uh, try to promote that and try to get people to turn out and, make their own Star Trek zombie costumes and uh, show up in the movie. That'd
0: That'd be be awesome. Yeah, that'd be very fun because I know that, um, when Night of the Living Trekkies* first came out, that that Quirk produced a uh, book trailer for it, which is still on YouTube. I watched it today a couple times, and it was just as yeah. funny, just as funny as it was the first time I watched it. to Kind of see. It really is.
1: It's really well done.
0: That would be very cool. That would be excellent to kind of see mm-hmm. that come to life. So definitely yeah. uh, keep us keep us abreast of those developments. And uh, for sure. The Quirk is it's
1: really a fantastic publisher. I mean, their their first movies coming out. I know they've worked pretty closely with the people who are making the *Pride and Prejudice* and *Zombies* movie. Mm-hmm. Which uh, is coming out? I think in February.
0: Yeah, very soon.
1: And uh, Matt Smith is in it. I don't know what character he's playing. <laughs>
0: Amazing. It's got to be Darcy, though, right? I mean, I, uh, I don't know because I I've seen a couple of the previews, uh, and I did see Darcy. I saw Mister Darcy in the preview, and I did not. That it wasn't oh. that, that wasn't Matt Smith. So I'm not sure what his role might be. Dude, who else could
1: good... be? I guess
0: it could be. That's uh, a good question. Brandon. Yeah, or he could be. Um, I guess he could be the father. Uh, he'd be like. No, yeah, he's yeah. not. No, he's not that. Way. He's I, he's.
1: 27 28
0: right i mean they would have to age him a little bit i guess so. <laughs> yeah i guess they can a
1: do lot. that
0: all right <laughs> he may not but i have no idea pure pure speculation at this point obviously so well that's very cool um well tell me then what uh, speaking of night of living trekkies and then obviously night of the zombies what's what's next on your plate do you have any projects lined up that you're currently working on or about to start working on
1: well yeah and Kind of relates to what we were just talking about. Um, they want me to work on some original concepts for the uh, for the film. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of my first experience working with films and scripts. And um, up till a couple of days ago, we thought we were going to have to kind of do something completely other, with not really use some of the characters from the book. And mm. you know, there's a lot of, you know, Quirk Quirk was nervous about putting the book out in the first place. You know, because this is not with Paramount's permission, it's right? So there's there's a lot of things that should be considered. In fact, the original uh, conception of the novel had George Decay in it as a character himself, being a pseudo you know character of himself. Gotcha. And and so we we kind of cut that stuff out. And so it's just been we're kind of dancing around the issue. But now the publisher has kind of released a little bit of the the reins a little bit. Mm-hmm. So the movie the movie version may be more in line with the book than okay. what we were on just a little while ago.
0: I know it is a fine line between you know uh, a, a parody and you know using celebrities likenesses that that you have to you know get approval yeah, for really so.
1: I don't know how we're going to get away using the princess leia's like character I mean, that that I'm more <laughs> concerned about
0: Disney people coming after us now I don't know I'm sure with as as with any good production you know, as it as it moves towards uh, becoming a reality, I'm sure there will be some some legal checking, and lawyers will will happily get involved, and uh, you know, uh, do some do some research and figure out what you can and can't do, and all that good stuff. So,
1: I think Sam once said, uh, when "We're working on the book. He goes, God, if they ever make a movie version about
0: this, you're gonna have to rent a convention hall just to house all the lawyers <laughs> that are
1: from every different reference from here and there.'
0: I could see that. I could see that. Love it. Uh, Emily, you have an update on Matt Smith and mm, *Night of the Living* yes. or *Pride Prejudice and Zombies*. Thank
2: you, Google. Matt Smith <laughs> will be playing Mr. Collins, Mr. Collins. Oh. and my girl crush Lena Headey is playing Lady Catherine. Oh, well, so, there you go. Wow. I love
0: her. Interesting, yeah, because I know at one point Natalie Portman was attached to uh, to be to be oh, yeah, the lead. Oh yeah, in the early
2: in the early
1: days, it went through a couple of hands. That was a really exciting one.
0: Yeah, that was years ago.
2: Yeah, now it's Lily James.
0: It's long since gone. That that ship has sailed. Once a uh, once a movie gets stuck in production, you know, spinning yeah. its wheels for for a couple of years. So, but I'm I'm excited that it's finally coming out. I'm really excited to see it. So, should be good.
1: Yeah. I hope it leads to more high-budget zombie movies. I mean, yes. I'm still disappointed that there was never a sequel to Zombieland. I mean,
2: oh, I know. I yeah. loved that movie.
1: Well, there was a movie that needed a sequel. It was Zombieland.
0: They they had talked hard about it. It's not quite dead, but it's it, it's pretty much dead. Amazon at one point had bought the rights and actually produced a I saw the pilot. A, a, yeah, yeah, the pilot, but it never went to series. I I, th- I saw the pilot. I thought it was entertaining enough, but it never moved forward, which is unfortunate. So,
1: but it, their system is you have to vote on. They, they let the audience vote. Right. You know, and that's I think that's kind of silly. Yes. We we're, we're not equipped.
0: To- right. Yeah,
1: <laughs> we, yeah. yeah. We don't that's, know a thing. The general public. We cannot be trusted. No. Not Do yet. you remember though that pilot? I mean, the only thing that kind of just stuck out in me as odd is that they didn't bother to get actors that even remotely resembled the character. <laughs> G- I mean, right. Not even remote. I mean, the the um, Woody Harrelson's character wasn't even bald. Yeah, I mean, he had a full set of hair. I mean,
0: yeah, kind of. Puffy. I mean, how hard yeah.
1: of an adjustment would that have been to
0: make? Right. Yeah, it's almost like they, they knew that they weren't going to get the original actors back, so they're like, just forget it. We're just going to go in a... It, it's clearly not them, try. so who cares, right? No, they didn't try, so... I, mean, but I didn't think...
1: go far as bad as, you know, like, changing the sex of Starbuck, but I mean, it was, <laughs> it was pretty close. Ooh,
2: see, that's a change I could get behind. Freaking loved Starbuck yeah. in the yeah in the remake of Battlestar Galactica. I
1: did, too, but it took me a while, because yeah. I'm old school, I, I Grew up on the old series, so it took me a while.
0: Right.
1: Yeah. And then I and then they paid homage to the old series in several episodes, right, even in the beginning. Too.
0: Right, and I think that was the key difference: is that the Battlestar was clearly a remake, was you know, was not as opposed to the Zombie Land pilot was trying to be an extension of the story that had just happened in the movie. You right. Know? So I think that's where the where the where the discontinuity lies in in terms of what you can do with the characters and things like that. So. Certainly. Hmm. Well,
1: speaking of continuity, maybe you can answer this question. for the Ghostbusters reboot is it okay? I I just think it would be brilliant if they would just continue the story as they were. But they're not. Are they rebooting the whole thing? Like the other Ghostbusters didn't exist.
0: Yeah, from from what I've heard, it is it is a reboot set set in a different universe. Because I think that Aykroyd and Murray have cameos, but I don't believe it's as their characters.
1: That's just so bizarre. Why not just continue the yeah. story oh, in I modern think, day with female Ghostbusters?
0: I, I thought. I agree. I mean, yeah, I've long thought that that would be a great. A great idea to have somebody stumble across the old warehouse full of old proton packs and things I'd be like oh yeah this did happen decades That's ago. That's a great you know? yes like, exactly exactly. But you know.
2: And then they go knock on the doors of the old Ghostbusters yes. and they're really old and tired but they're like yes we'll help
0: you. We'll and, be your mentors. And, and Slimer is their live-in maid. Yes, and, and there's yeah. like
2: a, and there's a montage set to like brilliant 80s music with them like training the new female Ghostbusters. Oh we should have written And this. it could be
0: Jesus like Jesus. Generations
1: was in the Star Trek movies
0: it yes. bridges
2: the
1: oldest original series with the new guys
2: oh,
0: so but then funny. we just finished saying that that, that we the general public don't know what we're talking about so they're not <laughs> listening to us anyways you really so. shouldn't be listening to no, us no, no 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 so no horrible ideas oh my gosh all right we're gonna we're gonna wrap things up with some uh emily's got some rapid fire questions that 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 she's gonna shoot at you some random some topical but uh, we're just gonna we're just gonna hit you with some some quick answers lightning round oh my <laughs> go for it <laughs> all
2: right when the inevitable zombie apocalypse occurs, what is the one snack food you will want to have a stockpile of?
1: Oh, two items, potato chips and toilet paper. Not, of course, one leads to the other, but sure. the neat But Yeah, go ahead.
2: Perfect, love it. All right, um, this is a who would win in a fight scenario, Kirk or Picard in a tactical starship battle?
1: Yeah, it's, it's Kirk. Kirk would win in a
0: shuttlecraft. See, we heard that he was a Kirk guy earlier, Mm -hmm. so we kind of knew the answer to that one. No contest,
2: really. (laughs) Here's a different one. I don't know. This might turn out differently. Kirk or Picard in a game of Hungry, Hungry Hippos? Wow. (laughs) (laughs)
1: I'm gonna have still have to go, Kirk. You know, he's gonna find a way. See, I can,
0: oh. I can, I can, I can see him getting too excited, and Picard staying cool with the, with the, uh, with the hippo. I don't Kirk know. Kirk would
1: be, Kirk, <laughs> and Picard would be steady, and he'd be by the book, and then Kirk would go in all cowboy-like and just hungry, hungry hippo. up. That's a good point. Love it. I'll take it.
2: All right, <laughs> who would win in this fight, the J.J. Abrams Scotty or the Star Trek classic Scotty?
1: Classic, Scotty, and I think that Simon Pegg would even agree to that.
0: <laughs> You're probably right.
2: <laughs> All right, um, let's see. Hmm. Enterprise E versus Star Destroyer. How would that t- How would that pan out?
1: Okay, which movie was it where the Star Destroyers were running into themselves because the fighters were getting too close? I got to go Enterprise just because of the maneuverability, <laughs> and they don't run into their own <laughs> ships. for
2: <laughs>
0: That's fair. They just lose their minds. <laughs> they're like, "Oh, really? It's just, so
2: silly!" Oh, we can't
0: turn. <laughs> no shields. No shields. <laughs>
2: yeah, you have to be able to turn. Um, all right. Do you listen to music while you're writing? If so, what do you listen to? Ah,
1: I will. I have two podcast channels for for, for writing. Um, one of them is set to um uh, Blade Runner. And that is for just character development. And then when I go to action scenes, I have a, um, a Pandora. I say Pandora? Pandora Channel set for uh, Star Trek Rathicon. Oh, Very
0: nice. Awesome. Very Love engaging it. music. Yes, <laughs> yes this. <it> <laughs>
2: All right. And my last one is what's the worst movie you have ever seen?
0: Highlander 2.
1: Ooh, oh.
0: Highlander 2.
1: You know what? And it, it wasn't that the movie itself was bad, the budget was bad, the performances were bad. It was that Highlander built such an amazing world. Mm-hmm. Sequel did everything it could to, what's a friendly way, just F it up. <laughs> <laughs> In a way, just F everything up about it. Of course. Never it.
2: Well, now that you said that with such conviction, I feel like I have to watch it.
0: Yeah. Oh, Hi-
1: Highlander! Please avoid
0: Highlander Two.
2: <laughs>
0: Highlander Two: The Search for More Highlanding. I'm oh. I'm excited to check it out already.
1: <laughs> have you guys not seen Highlander?
0: No, I have seen the original Highlander, but I have oh, not okay. I have not moved on uh, since then. But it, it's been years since I've seen seen the original. So,
1: I mean, with the with the with the background music, Queen. We mm-hmm. haven't had a great soundtrack like that since Flash Gordon.
0: You're right. I was ju- I was just about to say Flash, Flash. Gordon. We love love oh. Flash Gordon. Got to spend some time earlier this year with Sam J. Jones. Great guy. Uh, just uh, yeah, a very very cool movie. So Flash Gordon. Yeah. You met?
1: Oh wow. Yeah. He was at he was did. at, uh, was he was so at nice.
0: indie he was at indie PopCon, which is a uh, pop culture convention here in indie this year. I was uh-huh. uh, I was lucky enough to get to be kind of their their official slash unofficial master of ceremonies and 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 run most of their Q and A sessions. So we got to sit and chat for a while, which is very cool. What's today. he
1: doing? I have not seen him in anything. What's
0: yeah. he doing? Yeah, he's, he's in the TED movies. Yeah, he's he, yeah he does the TED movies. He was in TED and TED too. You know, with uh, Mark Wahlberg and the stuffed teddy bear with Seth MacFarlane. He loves Seth MacFarlane. Uh-oh. He thinks that he plays him. himself. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> does he really? Yes. It, yes. There, it, it, it's highly entertaining because but he wears the wig. Yes, because the character. Gosh. The main character in the, in in the movie is um, obviously Ted is the teddy bear that right. Mark Wahlberg's character owns. But Mark Wahlberg's character grew up watching Flash Gordon just in in love with Flash oh, Gordon. So, so there's a scene where Ted surprises him with uh, a visit from 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 Sam J. Jones, and it's it's very it's highly entertaining. It is really <laughs>
2: funny, and he he does he wears a wig to resemble what his hair looked mm-hmm. like when he played Flash Gordon. <laughs> it's hilarious. No, and he a very nice man. And person like he just is very very open to talking to fans and it's just it was it's really cool to meet people like that yeah
0: so. Awesome. My our, our funniest Sam J. Jones story I think is is when on uh he was there the entire weekend and he was set up next to the booth where Edward James almost was was signing. Ugh, also um, one of the best great moments guy. of my life when I met Edward oh, cool. yeah. uh, But Edward had to leave. Uh, he was only there Friday Saturday. He was gone Sunday. So Sunday, uh, Sam and and his crew come in and they're like, look. Is prime real estate and they just move all their stuff into Edward's prime spot where he used to be <laughs> signing and just took it over. Didn't ask, just kinda of did it. He's like, I'm Flash, I do what I want. So
1: <laughs> No, it's really great when you meet people that you've idolized. I mean, I, I got to spend time with George Romero and it just mm. I, I didn't know what he was like. I, I but I'd heard that he was just like the nicest person on the planet and right. he is. Yep. And he's towering. He's six I don't know, he's like eight. He's huge. Months. He is, and in these huge glasses, and he's just nice and it's just r- very welcoming you could, and you feel stupid too, because you're asking all these basic questions that you know he's been asked a million times, right, you know, and he was just so just wonderful, gracious, a gracious human being,
0: yeah, yeah, it's definitely definitely very cool when you get a chance to kind of connect with people and see that they are actual people too, which is very yes, exciting, so. yeah. I love that so awesome, well, um Kevin, wrap us up by letting us know and, and letting everybody know. Where they can get a hold of you online, how they can find your stuff, what the preferred method is for all that goodness.
1: Oh, uh, well, KevinDavidAnderson.com. It's easy. Uh, you can follow. I'm more. I spend a lot of time on the Night of the Living Trekkies Facebook page, which I still run. It's got a lot of a lot of people uh, following it. That's the best way to get a hold of me. Um, and my email is KevinDavidAnderson. No, it's Kevin at KevinDavidAnderson.com.
0: There you go. Perfect. It's very easy to reach remember. out if you want to be a if you want to be a zombie extra in an upcoming Star Trek potential Star Trek zombie movie. That's the way to yeah.
2: do it. So. I'm in. Yeah,
0: yeah, we're there. Wherever it is, just let us know. We're there. So I'll be second zombie
2: <laughs> to the left <laughs> from center.
1: Uh, that's fun. My daughter wants to be in it. My wife wants to be in it. So we're, we're, it's going to be a blast. Perfect. Really, perfect. If, it, if, if they bring it to about, I think they're going to start filming in 2017. I think. Okay. So like next year's all pre-production. So get your Star mm-hmm. f- Trek
0: outfits ready to go Fun, ready. love it very I'm cool there. awesome well thank you so much for joining us uh, Kevin it was a it was a blast to to chat with you today back at you yeah definitely all right uh, Emily take us home yes um, thank you so much
2: um, for joining us Kevin it was amazing to talk to you um, don't forget if you want to learn more about pop cultish you can do so on the facebook's and the instagrams and the twitter's and all of the interwebs um if you google pop cultish i'm pretty sure we're the only thing to pop up i don't know i just made that up um yeah, but we're, it's fine. we're
0: pretty much the only thing out there so yeah. so everybody who's listening yes emily's recapping the ways you can come find us and connect with You're us. Welcome.
2: Yeah. um but until we see you again be passionate be proud be pop cultish yeah.